0: And then we spend years and hours mind reading each other, beating around the bush, smoke screening it, being vague. Why? And then they wonder why their marriage is boring. If you have a problem being intimate, you won't attract your life, someone who's very, very comfortable in intimacy or else it just won't work.
1: Right. Because it's this tension between I can express that it's irritating to me and he can hold the fact that it's not going to change.
0: And we're in our third marriage. We've been together for 12 years now, and it's our third marriage to go.
2: Hi, I'm Rifka. And I'm Ida. Welcome to From the Inside Out, now a global community that keeps growing every day thanks to each and every one of you.
3: Right here is where you'll discover life changing insights from some of the world's greatest thinkers, leaders, and our everyday heroes. We believe that meaningful change comes from taking inspiration and turning it into action. In fact, that's how this podcast was created in an Uber where we were both inspired by each other's life experiences and how much we could learn from each other.
2: We're so glad you've joined our conversation today. The path to meaningful change starts right here, right now. From the inside out. This
3: episode is sponsored by The Hustle Wig. I am actually so excited about this sponsorship. I'm excited about all our sponsorships. So P.S. if you want to be a sponsor, please reach out to us at rifka.com and Ida at gmail.com. Um, so far, all our sponsors have been so wonderful. And we've gotten such great feedback from the people that now reach out to them. And it's just so much fun to be able to collaborate.
2: And so this is really cool that we get to collaborate with such great brands and companies. And I became a customer of many of them that I hadn't heard of before, which has also been very cool.
3: Well, I know that the Hustle Wigs is something new. It's a new kind of Um, wig that is not expensive Uh, it's something great for the summer I mean for the winter too because basically it's this fall that you could wear hats with and scarves with and it's really comfortable I know many people who have it and what I love is is that the the two girls who who started this business are young girls and they are just rocking and rolling this company has really grown Um, the hustle wig hat fall was created for the busy mums the long days at work and everything in between They make looking good and wearing
2: a wig simple. So their number one selling hat fall wigs are lined with a jersey fabric for all day comfort, which is so great to have that comfort component, which, you know, I can't say that about all wigs. Yeah. Ranging from $550 to $700, the Hustle wig gives you an affordable option to wear on the go. And the wigs are made from 100% human hair. They're based in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and they offer free shipping and exchanges. They have a special promotion going on called the Duo
3: Try-On. Order any two wigs to try on in the comfort of your own home while only putting down a deposit for one wig. Use code TRYON at
2: checkout. The link will be in our podcast notes. It's in caps lock, T-R-Y-O-N, try on. So use that code at checkout and experience the joys of of comfort and beauty.
3: Yes, and it's really appropriate because our episode today is um, a follow-up of a previous episode with Dr. Asa el So we had an episode with him. If you want to go back to that episode, Ida, what's the title of the episode? It's called The Best Therapist You've Never Had. The Best with Therapist you Never Had. And now we have him and his wife. Um, it's really,
2: this is going to be very different, unique, what shall I say, enlightening if you've already listened to that episode, then you definitely know that Dr. S. L. Romanelli can walk, can talk the talk. And we wanted to see him back here with his wife, which we, we, we did promise our listeners we'd bring him back. So we did. And to kind of see if he walks the walk too. This we'll find uh, out. Yes.
3: And now you'll get to hear how him and his wife work through their personalities, their issues, their good times, their difficult times. And- learn from them how to get through the challenges of a long-term or shall you say lifetime relationship, a marriage. And what I wanted to say actually is that somehow our sponsors have so far been very appropriate because, um, as religious women, when we get married, we cover our hair and, um, you know, we believe that it brings blessings into our life and yeah, we have the hustle wig sponsoring. So that's really nice to bring the spiritual element of our sponsorship to this, uh, conversation of a
2: wonderful couple. So thank you, Hustle Wigs, for partnering with us in this episode. So Asl is back with Galit, who is also a professional in this space. So it's very cool to have both perspectives. We did an episode with Lori Gottlieb, who wrote the New York Times bestselling book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Uh, it's a great episode if you want to go back and scroll back to that one. And it's about a therapist who's in therapy. And she talks about her own experience as a therapist going to a therapist and then being a therapist to her clients. And what I thought was very interesting is she was always curious to know about her therapist's lives, right? What's what's their personal life like? And I think that's very valid because if you're going to a therapist, you know, it's good to know if that, if your therapist also, it has good relationships in their life, not to say that a therapist should be perfect, but I was very curious to know, you know, how Asael applies his own principles in his own marriage. I think you'll very much enjoy, especially if you listen to that episode with SL, you'll enjoy hearing what his life looks like in real time, in real life, and how he and his wife both use everything that they've learned, all the lessons that they learned in their own marriage. And they do so much great work out there in the world to help people improve their marriages. So and we hope that this episode brings you more contentment and joy in your own relationships
3: uh Dr Asael and his wife Galit are very unique in that they are happy to get vulnerable and share their own issues you know sometimes you wonder oh this therapist must not have any of the issues i have they must have it all together but um they're human just like the rest of us and to to see that they can go through things that we go through yet they actually use the tools to work on them is actually inspiring because then you know we're all
2: in this together and there's ways to get through things i mean i think one of the main concerns people have in general is being vulnerable you know talking about their experiences but i could tell you on the other side of vulnerability there's a lot of joy especially i think with children when they have the opportunity to be open about their experiences obviously in a safe space so i would encourage anyone listening who is prepared to take on a journey of growth and transformation is to test out how vulnerable you can be with someone that you know cares about you and someone that you're comfortable with. And don't be afraid of what they might say or think if you share your if you share whatever you share.
3: You're share making me think yeah. about our episode with Dennis Prager because he had shared the way to have a real friendship is that you should feel like you can share anything with that person. If you genuinely feel like, hey, this is a friend of mine, if you think of someone, you're like, you know, I I do feel like she's my friend. You'd be surprised she's going to be happy to hear, or he's going to be happy to hear what you're going through. Right, you're giving them you're the happy opportunity to hear to Not happy to hear if it's difficult, but open to listening and wanting to, wanting to be there for you,
2: and happy that you trusted me with yeah. something very sacred and dear and dear to you, and that and that promotes connection and in friendship and. Everyone
3: goes through their challenges. It might be in a bit of a different way or it might be similar, but
2: everyone has their challenges that they're working through. One thing that he said was that I thought was great was how you you should date friends the way you date for marriage. You're talking about Dennis. Yeah. 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 Very counterintuitive. Like really? A date, a friend, that just sounds a little oh, no, bit. That, that, uh, we'd have to expand on that. Yes. Yeah, so stay tuned for an episode on friendships coming to you soon. Um, but for now, here is Asa Romanelli and his wife, who are going to bring us some really cool insights on marriage and relationships. So, on that note, enjoy. We were
3: very excited about having your wife here with us today. We've heard such Yay. wonderful things about you.
1: Thank you, you so also, much.
2: Yes. It's a pleasure to meet you. Same. So how about starting with uh, telling us how you guys met?
1: How did we meet? Um, I had just finished my master's in London. I completed a master's in gender studies and I came back to live in Israel and figure out kind of what my next step was. And I uh, started working at the worldwide conservative uh, headquarters in Jerusalem as office manager and assistant to the uh, director there, executive director. And Asael was managing a gap year for the conservative movement. So he didn't come into the office every day, but every now and again, he would come by. And the first time that he walked in the door, I remember it as if it was today, he walked in and I was like, wow, who is that? And then a colleague of the, uh, a colleague, a mutual colleague of ours who kind of tried to set us up so she asked me if I was interested and I was like, yes, of course. Um, and then nothing happened. So then I realized, OK, well, I guess he's not interested. And then why don't we, I'll tell you my story and then you can hear a sales story. And, <laughs> then, uh, say, um, and then the next time he came into the office, I was like, oh, he's a bit cocky. He's very full of himself and kind of that fizzled out.
3: Because and- he didn't get back to you.
1: He he nothing ever happened. I mean, he didn't. Yeah, yeah he didn't make a move. No, I'm and saying, when,
3: is that why you decided he was arrogant?
1: Uh, no, no, I decided he was arrogant because of his behavior when he would come to the office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> um, and Ooh. so so I was that was kind of a turn off for me. And then eight months later, out of nowhere. And we really, we hadn't seen, I think we'd seen each other in the office like a handful of times, maybe even less. And so eight months later, he out of the blue called me and said, you know, do you want to, do you want to go out? And, uh, and I said, I'll check my calendar. (laughs) I say, always thinks that I made it up that I checked my calendar, but I did. I checked my calendar and I said, yeah. And he was like, I can only meet tonight or on Saturday. It was like a Wednesday or something. And I was like, okay, then I guess tonight. And uh, that was it. We had our first date. It was brilliant. Sparks flew. Uh, and it was great. And the rest is history. That was it. It was one and done. Do you want to share from your perspective?
0: Sure. So I was miserably I left out single. a few
2: details. Yeah, fill in the gaps.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I was miserably single for a long time. And I was full of myself. And at the time, with my boss, she tried to hook me up with the with the office manager, the previous one before Galeed. and I was like, and then at the time don't date I was so full of it. I
1: that was like, that, I don't date secretaries. That secretary. face you saw was I don't date secretaries.
0: <laughs> I was like, I <laughs> date CEOs because I thought I was the bee's knees. I thought I was so special, and and I never called. And then eight months later, slowly I was slipping into a little bit of a depressive a depressive funk. And I remember telling myself, I'm going to do everything the opposite of what I'm doing. So I'm going to. You know, I'm going to pay for a dating website. I'm going to try everything I've never done up until now, up until then.
1: Well, that was not.
0: Yeah, it was kind of What's like like me? let's let's just try the opposite. And after that, and I remember I was I was in an Arabic lesson in the old city in Jerusalem, and then suddenly I was like, you know what? I'm going to call that secretary from that office. Um, and I called Khalid and it was it was an amazing first date. It was the best first date we've ever had. And <laughs> four months later, we moved in and. Four, four months later we were engaged and five months later we were married and and it was amazing wow. but I think that's I really like the story, story really I think what's really for me to take away is you really don't you think you know what you want I mean we have very different stories but for me I thought I had this vision of you know the CEO the crazy at the time I was doing my PhD I was no, I was doing my master's and I was performing and I was very ego-driven and I thought I wanted that and I I'm now I realize that, you know, I was something in me recognized that like Elite had the qualities I needed, but not necessarily what I thought I wanted at the time.
2: Wow. our Connecto, right? Like you said last yeah.
0: time. The Goblin. And the we're in our third marriage. We've been together for th- 12 years now, and it's our third marriage together.
2: Yeah, and we know what
3: that means from your last podcast. Yes, you do.
0: (laughs) Gilly, they they speak a language, so we could just dive right in. Well,
3: well, for those of you who don't know, they remarried each other. They didn't marry anyone else. They (laughs) remarried each other within the relationship.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. um, It's our third marriage with my first wife.
3: Love it. That's right like I just curious to ask you though when those things that were bothering you after he said no and you you thought he was arrogant what made you let go of that and decide to go out with him
1: um they were first of all, they were very small things and um and I was curious I was very curious about this man, and uh I was very much into you know happy to try anything once yeah and that's uh And we had really, really incredible chemistry right away.
3: And you obviously saw all those good things when you, when you had met him and that meant more to you. Yeah.
1: And we named it, we said the thing. In other words, like on the first day we already, I already said the thing and I said, you know, like, what was the story? And, and, you know, kind of like, why didn't you call or why did you call now? I think I asked you what made you call now. And he owned it. And he said, yeah, I was slipping into depression and realizing that I was doing things all wrong. So I figured I would give you a call. Tell them about
0: the list, Galif. Tell them about the list. About wanting and manifesting. I think that's important.
1: Yeah, I had a very clear vision. I had a very clear list of what I was looking for in a partner. Uh, I came very ready. And I I remember... um, About a year before, while I was kind of at the start of my master's with, I was sitting with a girlfriend and I was kind of going through my, my list of the ideal partner. And she said to me, you know, you're never, you're never going to find that. That's like, it was very specific and very kind of like all the things that I wanted. And I said, no, yeah, I I am. I am. And I, I manifested, I manifested this, this man. Stop. I didn't manifest this, man. But I, yeah. I did no, I didn't maybe, maybe you did. I didn't maybe. compromise. I think I didn't right. compromise along the way. And I kind of held out and uh was very honest. I think that's
2: actually great. I think that's a, um, thank you for mentioning that because I think a lot of people are told, like, oh, you know, you have too many expectations, like you need to lower your expectations. Like you want to get married, well, you've gotta, you know, be realistic. And people are hearing that and some Times it's hard to challenge that and say no this is what I want and I believe I can get it and I guess you're a a shining example of that like this is what you wanted and you were not going to settle for anything less
1: yeah thank you yes yeah Yeah. and then and then you know and then we pulled up our sleeves and started doing a lot of work together independently together
3: but but before we get um, to that I actually want to touch upon what you said Ida not everybody does get their whole list of things that they want. That doesn't necessarily happen for everybody.
2: Wow. Yeah, that Meaning like the question is what's going on that. Right. But I, with so know? many
3: people in the world, you wonder if everyone can get like, don't you think you should pray a person should prioritize the things that are most important to them?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then, <clears throat> and, and also I think it's recognizing what, you know, what, what's on my list, why it's on my list, what needs to be first, what am I not willing to compromise on, what am I willing to compromise, what do I have an open mind about, what are things that are going to be a gap or a challenge, and then how do I want to address that? And I think that a lot of the things that Asael and I have now in our relationship, there were indicators of them, right? Like, I don't know if Asael had talked to you about business cards right? When we meet someone, we kind of give them our business card and like metaphorically, right? And we kind of negotiate an initial contract. And I think that for us, it was very obvious right from the start that play was an extremely important part of who we are and that that kind of playful banter is something that we had immediately being able to authentically and honestly share about our inner worlds was something that was already on our first date, saying the thing, speaking very directly. All these things that have now become kind of our model that we use with other couples were already, were already, hints of that were already there. I think you're right Right to to, to, um, assume that you will find someone that answers everything. Yeah, that's rare. But I think that there's a fine balance or or an important tension between not feeling like you need to settle versus right. right? So it's not it's it's compromise, but not compromising on your values or yourself or your worth.
3: Good glad we um, clarified that <laughs> because yeah, some people aren't aware of what they really want. Like that you can have this whole list. And then when you break it down and you right. see what you, your priorities really are, you realize, you know what, maybe those other things aren't really what I really need. Right. Or like want who cares if he his yeah.
1: salad, like in a sloppy way, he actually does the dishes when he's done eating. So yeah. mm, that kind of takes over the like, you know, that he like leaves his socks on, the floor, you know, because that's what it comes to. Is he open? Can I have a conversation? So there, there are different things that that are important, and I think that when you can drill down, you know, rather than have a list of like twenty. I mean, for us, when we work things,
0: with when we work with single people, a lot of times with singles, what we'll say is we we, we reframe dates as play dates. Like when our kids go on a play date, right? We're playing. We're checking out, can I be myself? Can I bring different shades of myself? And a lot of people I feel are very in self-presentation. They're, uh, you know, concealer, makeup, everything's tight, everything, but there's no, and I think a lot of times, you you know, I'll meet, well, we'll talk about the women she works with, but when I used to do individual therapy, I'd meet these single people and, and they'd say, when can I be myself? And I said this as soon as you can, like, cause the idea is if you, you'll attract people that like your business card, if your business card is very pleasing or very fawning or very sarcastic, you're going to attract people that like that business card, but that's just one part of you. And the idea is if you, to, in, my, in my point of view, like as a play date, we're coming to play. We're going to check things out. We're going to bring up, be ourselves, tell the truth. You know, don't pretend like you're not hungry when you're hungry. Right, because if you're in self-presentation, right. you're gonna like, you're gonna breathe self-presentation.
1: If you want to order that hamburger, order the hamburger. You know, right? Like right. there are always like the women who are like, oh, I'll I'll only have a salad, even though they want to have like steak. But but I think that's the truth. I think that on our first date, each of us was ourselves. There were no masks. There was no I'm trying to impress him. He's trying. There was none of that. It was just this is who I am. Are we a match or not? Uh, and I think that. If, if we look at it as kind of like, almost like an interview, I think also with kind of, I'm kind of jumping to a different world for a minute, but professionally, right? When we go on interviews, we're always so eager to kind of like impress and show our best side and things like that. And we forget that also we're interviewing them, right? We also want to make sure that it's a good fit for us. We want to have a work environment that's, that's beneficial to us, where we can grow, where we can evolve, where we can develop, where they're kind. And it's the same thing on dates. And somehow we've kind of gotten it all kind of mixed up that, that we have to make a good impression. We need to come and be ourselves.
2: Right. this I is the place yeah, that we And want I feel to call like these home. days it's so hard. It's so hard to do these days. And I think a lot of people struggle with fully showing up. It sounds like you were already evolved. The both of you were evolved to recognize that, you know, when you're looking for a soulmate, you want to be able to show up because that's your best chance at really finding the person that you're meant to be with. You know, what would you say to someone who's saying, okay, well, I still have some self-esteem issues. Like I don't, I'm, I still worry about rejection I'm in the dating world. Um, should I work on myself first and then start dating or should I start dating and then, you know, hope that we can figure this out together. Like for someone who does have issues or who's coming to the table with some stuff.
1: I think I'm going to burst the bubble. We're all insecure. We're all insecure. We're all afraid of rejection. We all, you know, nobody enjoys that feeling of being rejected. Right. But isn't it better to know sooner rather than later, if this is a good fit or not? And isn't it better to be rejected because you were you rather than being rejected because you were trying to please someone else. And I think that at the end of the day, self-development is, it's kind of a constant, it should happen in tandem. And even when we work with couples in the clinic, we tell couples like, look, you're doing your own personal work while your partner is witnessing your personal work. And so that's what's creating intimacy is that you're willing to work on yourself in front of your partner. That's the intimacy.
2: That's nice. And and that's sort of what you, what you both do now is you work together, help other couples together.
1: Yeah. We work together in the clinic uh, with couples. We see couples together. We have, um, We have uh, workshops and couples kind of evenings uh, that we host in our home. And I work with women independently. So either women who are looking for relationships or women who are looking for more in their relationships or women who have left their relationships because they're now looking for more um, and their partner didn't meet them there. So...
0: I I want to. I want to add. I want to echo what Gilad's saying. Yeah, we're all. We all have self esteem issues, and we're all intimacy virgins. We're all scared of mature intimacies. We all avoid in different ways. So when I used to work with singles, I don't do that so much anymore. But first thing I'd say is start dating because you practice these skills with humans. You work on your differentiations, your ability to be yourself, and to be an intimacy. I don't remember if we spoke about them last episode or not. It's my ability to be big we, and we to actually be introduced it, but
2: we didn't get into it, the differentiation. Okay. Cause I remember being curious when I was editing about what all right it.
0: So maybe we'll talk about this day. but but the point is is that you you the way to raise differentiation is to be in a relationship. And oftentimes I've noticed these single singles will stay in therapy for years and I become the substitute, right? And I mean like they have they get their their intimacy hit from their therapist and they feel less the need and the urge to find out elsewhere. So the first thing I'll say is the condition is you start dating, even if it's a bad day, but that's how you practice being yourself. You practice differentiation in a relationship, not by speaking to your therapist, which is, by the way, is not a symmetrical relationship. So you can learn certain skills, but at the end of the day, you want to start practicing. And I'll just give an example of being yourself. I remember once before I a lead, I was hooked. I was set up with a daughter of a famous author. So I was like, oh, she's a daughter of an author. So I'm going to wear my churl neck and come with a book. It was ridiculous, right? Because I'm also, I, you know, I was. You see,
1: as you well. see why I thought he was arrogant and didn't want to date him. So like, <laughs> why?
0: And I was like, I was name dropping these books I was reading, and oh, she never called me again. You're so lost. Why- I was so lost. But why am I saying this? Because I feel like a lot of times. I think that's, time, a that's
3: a great way. Yeah. I think that's a, that's really nice way of looking at it. You know, even for people who have to break off their dating experience or uh, like, and they look at it as a lost cause, it's really a, another way of them getting to know themselves in, in a yes. relationship with someone, even if it doesn't as a, end up being their husband.
1: And it, I used to say, I used to say it's all practice for the real thing. Right. Nothing's, nothing goes to waste.
0: And, and I just want to say one more thing. So when, so when, so the singles in therapy, so they would go to, they go on a date and the, and the exercise was try to be yourself. Sorry, own your shtick. That's so right. that, so the model we spoke about in the last episode, that's what we, we, we would tell the singles to do own your shtick, let it land, say the thing, play, 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 play. And that's just, that's how you're going to do it. That's how you raise differentiation. And I think for a lot of people, there's so much pressure dating is the, remember we spoke about the difference between play and game. Games, yeah. there's rules like Monopoly, Chess, Mortgage. Dating is a game, but if you don't have play, you're going to suffer there. So how do you become more playful in the dating scene, in your dating experience? And suddenly I'm realizing we're talking about singles here. As I, like this, this is really interesting how this conversation yeah, is when going into dating. <laughs> well, we actually we what, we,
3: what we really wanted to do, we didn't prepare questions for you. We were I very know. excited about this being a an episode where we get to hear is it what can I say an argument between you and your and you two and how you settle it, how you come to a place of hearing each other and understanding each other? So we thought maybe
1: you could so you want uh, us to argue? You want to like yeah, throw we, us in the ring, give us a to topic, argue. and just like show even us your I method. Were, yeah, even I were
3: discussing before, okay, what kind of argument do we want them to have? And we were just like, any argument, let's see where they go.
0: <laughs> I think what I think what I want to say, because we spoke spoke about this last and we spoke about I mean, we had discussions whether we're going to do the first episode together or not. And how many many people want to hear their therapist's problems or their therapist's reality? And there's that we spoke about all therapists being hypocrites and how do we minimize that? And I think I really want to commend both of you for being brave enough to show the world the reality of therapists in in their house and their relationships. And I think for a lot, for me and Galit, one of the things we pride ourselves in is we try to own our shtick and be as transparent as possible, because at the end of the day, I mean, I said this last time, I think I want to live my life as a narcissist and an altruist. I want to live my life and fulfill myself and on the way, help other people. And I think me and Galid using, you know, we spent, we spent a lot, like my biggest achievement in my life is my marriage. Hands down.
2: It's really nice for people to be able to, to hear uh, someone who has been through the training to become a therapist and to help couples to hear from you. We're all human. We all experience this. It almost validates whatever struggles. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, We're normal. Yeah,
3: we're
2: it's normal. Right. It's, like really,
0: everyone, we're, it's
3: really refreshing. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, so so what is like an argument that would come up between you two? Something that comes up?
0: Well, we, let's think, let's, we'll start with the 70% category. So 70% of your problems are unsolvable, regardless of who you marry. Okay? 70%? Research, 70%? 70%. Whether you marry Jim, Yossi, or Bao. 70% of your problems are not. Wait, is that like a, st-
3: where does that statistic come yeah, from? Yeah, that's the Godman.
0: That, that's oh, the yeah. John and okay, Julie Yeah, got it, I okay. heard that. Yeah, that's so, good to know. That's good to know. Now, why, now, so what they've noticed is as, as they've been tracking these couples over 20 years, the same issues came up, but the, the, what made the difference between the masters of relationship and the disasters of relationship was how they dealt with those 70%. Right. Okay, and the idea is, so one of our 70s per se, I'll just jump into it, is the way I wash my face in the sink oh my god look at
1: his face look at him micro I, I feel like micro, sometimes he even does it on purpose it's like big heaps of water that he just throws everywhere and then by the end of it there's water all over there's water everywhere including the floor that and I swear sometimes I right admit it sometimes so he's basically
2: showering in the sink
1: yeah exactly sometimes you just like you love it you love like the there's like a there's like a an over drama of, of the whole thing. You put on a performance for me.
0: So, it drives so, me
1: crazy.
0: So what, so, we, we, so what happens is, so why are we saying this? Because one of the things we teach couples is it's called code words. So we use these hacks, these, 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 the, the, these code words that really basically exchange, they replace very long, very long explanation. They don't always have the energy. For one of us, it's 70%. So I'll wash my face and every night she'll comment about it. And I try to use the squeegee afterwards and clean it up. But oftentimes um, I'll just say 70%, 70%. I'm doing my best, but it's 70%. Now, the, Oh here's my the God, secret. I love watch-
3: it. So every time something doesn't work out, you're
0: like 70%. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. But this is this is the caveat. Okay, here it goes. Okay. Here it goes. Okay, I'm going back to the gottmans, Okay, I'm so the curious reason- where you're
1: going with this. <laughs>
0: okay, so so watch clearly. Nothing up my sleeve. Check this out. Okay. This yeah, is all in the lie. meantime, okay?
1: I'm, I'm thinking of, a, of another argument. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> so, so here's, here's the reason it works. Okay. It's because I'm going back to the Gottman's research. Their research on, on masters of disasters versus masters versus disaster. They basically say the secret is five to one ratio, five yeses to every no five going toward your partner's bid, whether it's words, touch, whatever love language that is to every no The reason this works for us is because I'll speak for myself, but I also feel that from Galit, I consciously deposit money in in, in Galit's emotional bank. I consciously go toward her bids. If she asks me for them, I say, yes, I try to be proactive in filling her love tank. So when I say that 70%, right, playfully as well, it can go down smoother. The periods when we have rougher times is when we drop below that five to one. And you can really feel that by the way, also in our parenting, when we say too many no's and not enough yeses to our kids, we'll get more pushback. So I can say 70% and Gale can even go. And we kind of half smile and move on is because we have we're way over the five to one.
2: So the five to one is not what you're arguing about, it's it's the way you're arguing, right? Like it's five the to fi- one.
1: The five to the, the one is five, to, to po-
3: the five sorry, to one is deposits in deposits your emotional in the love bank. Yeah. Life. Emotionally connecting to your... Spouse. Throughout the day,
0: it's smiling to your partner, giving them oh, a hug, uh, see, see. doing yeah. the dishes, even though it's your so turn. If, if you've done,
3: if you've done, if you've got plenty of that, like five to one ratio, then you, you're okay with the 70%. Is that what you're trying You'll to be, say?
0: This, the, it, you will be like the five to one, keeps you, keeps you in the, in the, with it a lot of... It keeps you um, in the
1: surplus of the love bank rather than going into the deficit. Right, right. Exactly. And I think that, uh, uh, in addition to that is the playfulness of it, right? Sometimes right. I'll be playful about the, like, about the, you know, sh- should I bring my snorkel to wash our <laughs> face tonight kind of thing. And sometimes I'll be like, Asael, like, seriously, do you have to like take a shower while you're washing your face? So it's, it, but there's, there. Right. And it's, and it's, how can we infuse play into this? So if I'm not playful, is he able to be playful in response or not get triggered or just you know, realize that like, this doesn't have to become an issue. Um, And I I think, I think that when, when you recognize that there are some things that will not be resolved, I think that's the point of the 70%, right? Is that some things are just, they're going to be a, constant in the relationship. And if you can find a way to playfully express, right, the, the, the pain point and at the same time hold the fact that there might not be resolution, then you can kind of move on, right? Because it's this tension between I can express that it's irritating to me and he can hold the fact that it's not going to change.
2: So what if, what if there's potential for it to change? So in the gray areas, like, let's say uh, a cell washes his face with a lot of water and you're saying, well, this, let's say this is considered a non-resolvable argument. Like you're saying, well, this really bothers me. Can the expectation be that one person could change a little bit, or is that not fair to the spouse? Ask them to change.
1: My assumption is that you can only change yourself. My assumption is that I cannot make a sale change. Okay right? So I, I'm going to need, if if I've said it and he's not, there's no, he, he, he doesn't care enough to, to, to make a change in that direction, then I need to change, right? Cause it's bothering me. So I need to be the change that I want to see. So I need to drop down and figure out why is this bothering me so much? Or how can I navigate this? Or where can I place myself so that it doesn't bother me as much? Or like what's going on with me that this is a pain point for me.
3: Now, by the way, it could I mean, be that he does care, but he does care, but he just doesn't know how to change it.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. It could okay, be so that me, he doesn't me, care enough then, right? Because our little saying is, <laughs> it's just not that important to me yet.
0: Yeah. So I, I want to add to that, okay? So we one of the <laughs> things we talk about, we also have a video on, it's called It's Not That Important. That's owning your shtick, right? So I, I want to give an example, okay? So for instance, washing my face, theoretically, theoretically, if this was a 10 out of 10 for Galit, and she's like, I'm leaving you tomorrow. If you don't, you know, if you I will, I would probably stop. But it's also question <laughs> of how important. I would probably stop. Yeah. I mean, Good I love know. Galit more than I love washing my face, right? But I think there's a combination. The part of owning your shtick is also know how important it is for you. Certain things that are important for Galit, I have changed. I have done things, I have changed my lifestyle or the way I kind of interact at home because i knew that for her it, it, she just can't concentrate like that. she can't work like that she right. can't live like that so i think for both partners it's also being clear you can't you can't go nuclear on every single thing in the house like you're gonna have to choose your battles right and there are certain things that Gali were like no this is not cool in, in our house we're going to do a and i think watching the face has become this place where it's not that important for me to like i'll try but it's not like i'm you know and I think for us, it's also like, its we have the five to one, we have the play. And I say one more thing I want to say about play is the beauty about play, because there's, there's something that's called a fool's choice, which is to either speak my truth or to be in a relationship. And a lot of people feel I can't have both, right? I have to suck it up and go crazy. And, or because if I say something, my partner will, will explode and won't like it. And I think play enables you to do both. So when Galit says, should I bring my snorkel because you're washing your face? She's doing both. She's A, speaking her truth, but she's also in relationship to me. And I think that's a way for you to also say your truth, say your feelings. You don't have to keep them bottled up. If you use play, you'll be able to say your truth and also maintain the relationship. You won't have to choose. But that is work and the muscle.
2: That's such a great point. Like you, like, uh, We had this in another episode with uh, Susan Kane, who wrote a book called Bittersweet. And she said that she mm. had that same narrative in her mind growing up. Like You could be yourself or you could be loved, but you can't be both. And you have to choose, and then she realized that, this yes. in fact, not the case. Like you can be yourself and be loved. You just have to know that. And most yes. of us, but don't for know that, that.
0: But that—that that is a skill. That's called. That's we're going back to differentiation. That is differentiation. It's a skill, and I'm. We can talk about that. We've inherited our level of differentiation from our parents, and then we go out to the world and we marry mm-hmm. someone at the same level of differentiation. Because I'm reminding you in couples therapy, a relationship is a pattern. You can only build a pattern with someone who's at the same level of differentiation as you. And that's how you, you, and so a lot of what we do in the clinic, we help couples raise differentiation. Now, when you raise differentiation beyond the point of your partner, that's called critical mass, there will be, there will be a rupture. There will be a, a, a you know.
3: One minute. So drama. everybody marries someone on the same different, in the same differentiation as them, each other.
0: The same that's- ability to, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the if, more if, more or less same differentiation level. Everybody, y- you attract people who are at the same level of differentiation as you. Yeah, because otherwise you the build, relationship won't work.
0: You can only build a pattern with somebody who's willing to dance the dance with you. Okay, so if you like, so think about it, right? If you, if you have a problem being intimate, you won't attract your life someone who's very very comfortable in intimacy. Or else, it just won't work. So, out of the ten people that you go on dates with, you will probably end up building a pattern with someone at the same level of differentiation. It might look different because the two polarities, by the way, let's just talk about that. On one, we're kind of zooming into differentiation. One of them is the is the need to be autonomous. Autonomous to be myself. This is who I am. And the other one is the need for attachment to be loved. So when we're poorly differentiated, we either we go to one of the two sides. Either I please, I appease my partner. Or it's all about me and I don't see my partner. Or I swing between the two, like a pendulum. But oftentimes what we'll see in couples, we'll see a partner that leans toward autonomy marries a uh, partner that's leaning toward attachment. But they're the same level of it. Oh, Do you understand? Yeah. They're the same level. It just looks differently. Now, the more we differentiate, the less we have to choose. The more we can be this and that. And if you go back to me and Galit's dating story, I, I think I wasn't differentiated enough yet to see Galit to date her that's why it, it wasn't working eight Look, months eight later more months to, I said to, get, right, my, eight more to months. get to
1: my level no I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> j- I'm explaining to Rifkin to Ida that it, you had to yeah, catch yeah. up it took you eight you months to catch up yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm still trying to catch sure, up well, I'm still trying to
2: always
1: I'm always just slightly <laughs> ahead
2: <laughs> so how, how do you work with those like with that kind of couple like how do you differentiate or increase differentiation. And sorry, one more thing is also if you work with one, do you have to work with both or can you work with one and then the other one will have to keep up or catch up? Sounds like you have to work with both.
1: Well, yeah, we work with both. Because it's a system, then it's much easier and faster to work with both of them at the same time. And also that's what cultivates the intimacy, right? Because then I can see, I see my partner, I see where they're, where they where their growth work is and it's not the same as my growth work and yet it sh- kind of shows me where my blind spots are and why were this fit right what i kind of was missing or looking for and how they fit into that puzzle and then it's kind of it's kind of this separating and allowing them each to raise differentiation individually but witnessing each other's growth so, and that's best done I mean, together. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I personally. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be very. Otherwise, hard you're, 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 you're creating more of a gap.
3: Right, one's growing, and the other one's not understanding that the other person's
0: growing, right. and.
1: Right, it's a. because well, it's, it's it's the whole language and a whole system and a whole. I mean.
0: Well, if you think about but it, it's right, possible. You, you may, So David Schnarr, the one who developed kind of this this concept of differentiation, he talks about four points of balance. These are the four skills you need to raise differentiation. One is a solid, flexible sense of self, knowing who you are, being solid enough, but also open to change. The other one's called grounded responding, that even if my partner gets triggered, I can hold on to myself because I'm reminding you differentiation is being close without being so reactive, not always being jumpy or, or tense, right? Just knowing who I am. The third one is quiet mind, calm heart. My ability to self-soothe. And the last one, which I think is beautiful, it's called meaningful endurance. Realizing that you grow through conflict. You, marriage is a people-growing mechanism developed by humans. And knowing that it's going to be a lot of work and going to go through a lot of ruptures and repairs. So I want to echo what Galit said. Like, we prefer to work with couples. It's possible to rate... If you raise differentiation, you're going to unbalance the whole homeostasis. You're going to unbalance the system. And there's going to be pushback and drama and psychosomatic and illnesses and, stuff and so on and so forth. But it is possible to force the system to go higher. The risk you're going to take is the end of that relationship. One partner raises differentiation, reaches critical mass. Then the other partner, there's a crisis. So either they're going to confront themselves and grow or it's going to end. Right. So basically,
3: well, better what? to do it together.
0: Everything's always better to because it's yeah. two for one, because at the end of the day, we're all going to marry more than one. So why don't you grow, you know, co- confront yourself and grow. And also at the same time, see whether your partner can grow with you. And I want to give an example. Like oftentimes we'll see partners, one of them raising differentiation and not willing to do the dance anymore, that old dance, the ple- the people pleasing dance or, you know, flying solo dance. And the partner's like, well, that's not the woman I married. That's not. The-. Yeah, you're right. It's not because you're basically renegotiating the contract. Sometimes it's unilaterally but it's super scary. Cause I want to say one more thing. We also attract workplaces and friends at the same level of differentiation. So when you raise differentiation, a lot of some friendships and some working places, I'm thinking about you and several workplaces you had are not going to work for you anymore.
2: Right. That's why well, you're once, saying that oh, you're taking the risk of ending the relationship. If you increase your differentiation, it's, if you do it's you basically so you growing
1: your relationships. Right.
2: Right. But in a marital relationship, If one, if increases their differentiation, I wonder if, are they, are they more equipped now to handle, like, I guess, assuming the relationship is important to them and the spouse didn't do any work. If it's, it's all, I guess it's sustainable only if they're willing to put up now with a spouse who's not as differentiated, if that makes sense. Okay. Let's
3: say it is possible. But yes. Yeah. If you're willing. It's not easy. Probably.
0: Once you raise differentiation, so certain patterns, certain dynamics stop becoming triggering for you. I mean, I'll, I'll give an example from actually from uh, from my family from family therapy I'm doing with my parents, where my mom is very martyry and victimy, and, and 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 that used to activate me a lot. And just just last week or something, she said something like, "I did something," with, I spoke to my. Never mind, long story. She said, "I feel like, I felt like you betrayed me." And in the past, I ah, get triggered, and no, yeah, ah. and this time I heard it, and it was just like, really. And you'll notice when you raise differentiation, it's not so dramatic. It's just like, you remember that scene in The Matrix where he suddenly sees all the numbers and he's, he's like, this is it? There's this moment of like, you get less triggered by what used to trigger you. And, and certain things are just like, that's just not cool. And usually what you'll notice is, it's just, I think, of friendships we had growing up. You know, some of them just ended. There wasn't a fight. There wasn't a drama. It just kind of fizzled out. So when you raise differentiation, suddenly some of these dynamics and suddenly. these you know these red herrings or all these 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 dramas suddenly less activate you and you're much more grounded. And you're like, no, that's just not cool. But anymore. I think
3: I think with a partner that would be different because you want to f- connect to your partner. Like maybe you put some boundary up or something for you to be able to react. But, that but way. think
0: about it. But even if it's with your partner, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of an example with Khalid. Um, I mean, I'm sure we have tons of them. When each one of us brought our own drama and you know at different points, one of us raised differentiation and we we're like we're done. That's just not cool anymore. Khalid, do we have an example? Can you think of something?
1: Well, I think, I mean, we can look at the times where we, where we, um, you know, what, what, what ushered in our new marriages, right? So the most recent one was basically recognizing that I kind of wanted more and I wanted more opportunities and I wanted to, to do new things and to leave Jerusalem, which is, you know, where we were both born and spent most of our lives and our parents were there. And it had been something that I think I kind of was trickling to a for a few years. And eventually it was like, this is like, you're either going to get on board or, or I don't know, we're going to have to like rethink this. And I don't think it always has to be as dramatic, but I think that, You know, Esther Perel says, you know, it takes two to create the dance, but only one person to change it. So I do think it is possible, right? Like with the sink, like there's a recognition of I'm not going to be able to change him. But I think that eventually if the gap is too great, then there are going to be certain behaviors that are just unacceptable or I want more and this relationship isn't giving them to me. And, And I think that that becomes kind of, can we renegotiate Um, are these things that, again, it comes into the kind of like, am I willing to compromise here? Am I willing to get my needs fulfilled elsewhere? And, and is that okay within the confines of this relationship or, or does this mean that, you know, there's an invitation here for my partner to step it up and can they meet me there? And I have an example. There you go. Sorry, finish,
0: finish, finish, finish. finish, finish. I
1: just did. (laughs)
0: So I remember this was, this was about four years ago. We're still in Jerusalem and Galit said to me, I want to tell you, I want to give you some feedback on your parenting. I just heard that. I was already triggered. Right? I was like, "Oh!" Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, and she was like, I remember we were in, we were in bed. It was after bedtime. And then she, 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 gave me a heads up. She she told him, I want to give you some constructive feedback. And then she said to me, um, it, these past couple of days you have not been present with you our eldest son. You were just not there. I was completely alone. And I I saw I was getting, you know, I was just like, oh, I was triggering. I was getting defensive. Eh. And I remember Galit being up a little grounded responding. She took a deep breath and she's like, okay, okay. Breathe through it. It's okay. You can do this. She didn't, she didn't get sucked into my drama. She didn't get defensive. Right. She didn't go for the jugular. She's like, and I remember, I really remember that day. And I remember I had to breathe through it. We spoke about last, I had to let it land. I had to burn through my chest. I had so many things I wanted to say from defensive to screw you to better that. And at the end, I, I it felt like it was a year later, but it was, I guess, a couple of minutes later. I was like, you're right. A couple of like, minutes. You know, I was like, oh, but it, it really was that. And I think that is a skill. And, and oftentimes in the clinic, what we will do is we will help partners hold on to themselves when they hear bad stuff then I can even even today I'm looking at my whiteboard in my clinic and I asked the woman how curious are you from your partner? How much do you are curious you're curious about and she said three out of 10. That is super harsh to hear right and it, and for him it was really hard to hear but I was with him helping him hear that because part of raising differentiation is speaking your truth. That's why mm-hmm. we love we love that's why conflicts is a great way to grow because those T junctions where you have to make a decision, that is when you need to step up. And speak your truth, and that's why I say the thing and being blunt and being clear. How how much you know? How curious are you? How much how, are you, how much are you attracted to your partner from one to ten? And you can't say five. Take a stand. Take a risk. Say it. It's going to be okay. But you rather say your truth because the, the truth is partners know all these things. They're just not, they're too scared to say it. And then we spend years and hours mind reading each other, beating around the bush, smoke screening it, being vague. Why? And then they wonder why their marriage is boring. Because you're not speaking the truth. The way to be passionate Why?
3: Yeah, can we pause there when the wife said, um, I'll give you about a three out of 10 for me being curious about you. So how do, once um, she spoke her truth and he heard it, how do you then take the relationship to a better level? How do you get her to become curious and how how can he change?
0: Well, the first thing she needed to do, because she was very embarrassed saying it. Now it's clear that he knows it. He laughed when she said three, he wasn't shocked. In fact, what we've noticed in the clinic is when people own their shtick and say the, and say the thing, there's a release of energy. There's almost like, it's almost like ending a long gaslighting session. Because of the, he, he laughed because he knew it. And there was a pain in the room. When I asked him, by the way, how much is he curious? He said 10. But that's also part of their dance, right? He's the pursuer and she's the distancer. But part of it is just her, her seeing that he can deal with that. He can deal with her frustration, with her lack of interest. He's not running away. He didn't get defensive. He didn't jab her. He took it like a man, and he, and, and that burns. Right. So
3: you're but saying but the that, dynamic, what, the dynamic may not change, but there's more of an acceptance of this is what it is. But it's not.
0: But, but, but it's not
3: no, just I the think I but, think
1: what it allows is, is that it it allows a couple of things. First, it allows her to clearly state it, right? Which is something that, like I said, he probably feels anyway. So now at yeah, least we can call the puppy by its name. And once we have this truth that's outed, then we can each reposition ourselves. And so then he can look and say, okay, am I not bringing myself fully to this relationship? Is there a re- Are there things that I'm not you know, sharing, am I not showing up? Am I not being present? Am I only being, you know, very one dimensional in this relationship, right? Like what okay. is it about also me? Because we always want to bring it back to the individual. It's always, that's, that's the, and that's kind of how we practice and, and, and raise differentiation. It's not my, if, if, if my partner is a good kind of mirror for me, but it's a mirror, right? There are things that I need. So if, if the feedback that I'm getting from the potentially closest person to me is that I'm boring, well, then I need to check that because I know I'm not boring, right? The, the assumption is that we're not, as humans, we are not boring. We are all unique individuals with you know extremely rich internal worlds. So what is about this dynamic, this dance that is only enabling him to bring a fraction of him. And then how can we open that up? How can there be more of an invitation um, for him to bring more and for her to also invite more, accept more, right? Elicit more, cultivate more. And that's the dance, right? So that's what it it requires him to, to look at that and get curious about that himself and her to openly say it and then kind of, be willing to then meet him there when he does bring more.
3: Right. So, have you seen that change? Like, when people get honest, that they both start like the numbers yeah, can change. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Yes. And
1: that's what we've had. We had that. That was the death of our first marriage. Asael was like, you know, that, did you tell him about the 9570? No, hey, the, the arrogant assail reared his head and said, you know, I'm 95 in this relationship. I'm, you know, the bee's knees. I'm, I'm the best. And you're, you're like a 70. And that made me confront in myself of, I don't in know. What said, in, what, in what way was I a 70? It was an overall. I, I, I don't word. know. I wasn't, I wasn't intellectually stimulating to him. I wasn't, a, I don't know. But, but the feedback that I was receiving was You're not you you're a 70 to my 95 and when i heard that and was confronted with that i thought oh hell no i'm i'm a 95 and if and what am i not bringing to this relationship that is um that is kind of allowing him to even see me as a 70 that right. that is feedback to me that i'm not bringing my full self well that
3: takes a lot of work on your part cuz you could easily yeah. be angry at him Oh, wait, I
1: well, mean, I pre so, so, believe that, it. right?
0: But right. I want to say something. That evening, which was the, the the you know the the death of our first marriage, what we realized from that is that every couple from the second date, once they start dating, they unconsciously divide the different categories: who's better in what, who's a ninety-five, who's a better lover, who's a better cook, who's a better parent, who's a better you know provider. And what they do is they kind of go off and they live their lives with this unconscious, implicit division of the ninety-five seventy. And a lot of times what we'll do with couples will help float that up. Let's do let's make a list. who's a better cook who's a better lover who's, and why are we doing that because when do marriages end when one partner wants to renegotiate the 9570? Okay that's another shadow that we've noticed and it took our journey to realize that because nobody taught us nobody taught me that the 9570. It's something we discovered on our skin you know we have scars to show it. But once we talk to couples, every couple smiles because everyone knows that. Implicitly, if you, if, I, if you ask every couple, who's the better what? They'll laugh and they kind of know it. And what happens is after two years, seven years, five years, one of the couples like, I also want to be a 95 here. Or conversely, I don't want to be the 95 about money anymore. I don't want to hold all the finances all the time. It's too much pressure. I want my wife or my husband to kind of you know, come under the stretcher and also come. I want to, I want to retire from my 95-ness. But for that, the couples need to be brave enough to put that on the table.
2: So what happens if you have a couple where, let's say one, you know, let's say one loves sports and the other one doesn't. And the guy, you know, say, let's assume the guy loves sports. And no matter what, you know, he does, he's never going to get his wife to enjoy watching a football game. And let's say she also has some interest that, you know, that she would love for him to, like, develop his own interest in. But they both discover that that's never going to happen. And so... Where do they go from there? You know, obviously you can find mutual interest, but when there's something that you know that your spouse will never enjoy or like, and let's say you want them to like it, but you know it's not realistic, um, I guess once you get to that point where, okay, we're never going to be on the same page here, then where do you go from there? I think so
1: I, I we, want to Terry to that. real says, are we willing to grieve the things that we're not getting in order to continue in the relationship for all the things that we are getting? Right. right? Exactly. And I think that it's like, okay, so he can't meet me there, but there are all these other things. So great. And it doesn't mean that I stop bringing those parts of me.
0: I want to add to that because there's, there's several things. So what we'll do in the clinic, so the couple, we'll do the 95 70 chart who's better than what. Okay. And then there's a lot of there's a release of energy because there's almost like this, Huh. Okay. And then we start asking each couple, is there anything you want to switch? And sometimes one couple will say, well, I want that. I want to renegotiate. So for instance, one of the renegotiations we had was in our first marriage. I was the smart one. Even though when we met, we both had master's degree. I kind of, I took the, I took where I was given or whatever. We, the 95 and one part of our negotiation is now Galit's doing her PhD. So in that sense, that 95 is now being renegotiated. Right? Well, I and think the other- that we're
1: what we're trying to move towards is less hierarchical. Exactly. I think that the the aspiration is not to have big gaps, but to recognize that a, there's a lot of movement and movement is really important. It's when we get rigid and stuck in specific roles that we kind of lose play. Um, get stuck, get bored. And so when we recognize that there's no better or worse, right? That's not the language that we want. We don't want the hierarchies. We want the mutual. We want the reciprocity. We want the, what I can give now and what, you know, and and the constant kind of negotiating and movement.
0: And, and I think I want and the next step out of that. Once we have that, then it's an honest conversation between two partners. How important is this to you? And how important is it to your to your husband? And what are we comfortable outsourcing? And what are we not comfortable outsourcing? And I think this comes to the topic of the third. Every marriage has a third. And we don't have to be, we, we shouldn't be scared of it. We just need to know how to use that and how to be open and playful and transparent about those thirds. Because right now, this podcast is your third Eda. Okay. So imagine you mean, this would you be mean a third.
3: If, I think we discussed this on the last podcast. You mean your third, a third party?
0: A third element. It could be a party, it could be your work, it could be your football team that you love. Anything that your libido is very invested in that's outside of your marriage. There's always a third, at least one, if not dozens. Okay. So the name of the game is not to say there is no third. I only have eyes for you, everyone else. That's, that's, that's crazy. It's hard. And I think that
1: also that this fantasy that my partner will be able to fulfill all of my needs and wants, right. That's also not, uh, that's not realistic. Not one well, person can fulfill everything.
3: Right. Because it's interesting that in the start of this episode, you said that um, your husband met all your needs. Like
1: all, you know, all, all my criteria for a partner. Your criteria. Right. Not the same not, thing. Right, right. But
3: not necessarily all your needs. Right. Just because right. he met your criteria doesn't mean yeah. he's going to meet all your needs. Yeah. And, that's an important and also, thing you know, try.
1: these, these, we have to remember that we're constantly evolving and changing. Right. So, a, that's a that's kind of a an invitation to be aware that we're always we're always growing and also our partner is always growing and so the, the lines of communication and the criteria will change and the needs will change and the needs will change throughout time and our love languages change and so kind of that's why when people say you know that they're bored in their relationship i wonder but how can that be because we're always changing like how do you know what your partner is going to say because you know, you don't know what kind of day they had. Maybe, maybe today they'll they'll have a different response. So I think that kind of recognizing that 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 our needs change and that we can communicate that and we can have honest conversations about you know what our needs are at this point and what, like I said, said are the parameters of you know um, getting those fulfilled elsewhere and what that looks like. You how know, he, a sale isn't how- a foodie, right? He just he doesn't enjoy food. If food for him is just it's just fuel. He, he he just needs it to keep going. And I there was a um a period of time where I was really kind of craving good food and a, a whole kind of culinary experience. And and I had a friend and we would meet once a month and we would kind of we would enjoy a good dinner together. And that was something that you know, that was a need that I had and, 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 and a sale wasn't interested in and that was fine.
2: And I think a lot of right. times and then you can always find a go. common ground somewhere else where you
0: can. Yeah, have that exactly.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's not all or nothing. It's never a zero sum game.
0: I want to add that, like the thing is a lot of times uh, partners are kind of, they don't own the third kind of like a shame, almost like a secret, or they they kind of want to minimize that. What happens is so the third, instead of being something that revitalizes the relationship, so Goli would come back from these uh, dinner dates with his partner, happy and full, you know, and excited. She took that energy and she, you know, dropped it into our marriage. For a lot of people, the third becomes a secret and it, it, it depletes me. It doesn't energize me. It doesn't go back into the relationship. So for that, couples need to work through shame and also own their shtick. I needed to realize that that's important for, her. I needed to own for me, food is not a priority. And to keep that third as part of our playful, conscious, um, rep- uh, you know, leg- like a legitimate topic that we could talk about. It wasn't a secret. And right. that's where a lot of people so you bring?
1: Into. Yeah,
3: how would you, like, so galit, let's say this food, this, she's going out with a friend and you could like the negative way it could happen is that she comes back all excited and that she's like, Oh my God, I have so much of a better time going out with my friends than with you. <laughs> or she can come home and what would she do? She would say, you know what? I can that was say, so nice. wow.
1: Yeah. It was such a good time. And this is what we did. You know, I come home energized and I come home happy and excited that, you know, that, and, and here comes kind of the the systemic dance, right? Is that you know, Isa doesn't make me feel bad about spending this time with a friend or, you know, this is time that we could have spent together or making, you know, coming home to like a completely messy house or there are all kinds of ways that our partners can passive aggressively punish us. Right. But instead it was like very generous and very, you know, like encouraging of like, yeah, go, go have this experience, go have this fun time, which then makes you, Makes you appreciate that, and then it that energy gets fed back in, right? Because your cup is full, and so you're happy to 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 fill your partner's cup,
2: right? It does take like a certain even- amount of confidence, like on on let's say SL's part. Let's assume he was a foodie, and that you're saying, "Hey, I'm going. My friend wants to try a restaurant with me. That's like really really good, and it's for her birthday or whatever." And he's like, "Hey, I want to come." And you're like, "Oh, well, this is friend time." So. That's a bit trickier, like, you know, to be able to be happy for your spouse when you something that you have to lose in a way. Does that make sense?
0: So I want to I want to. Yes. And I think that goes back to the five to one When If I wouldn't be felt seen by Galit, if I see she's more excited about going with her girlfriends and seeing if I see that solely she's outsourcing her libido, we would be in a different discussion. And I think I'm going back to this couple, by the way, the three to ten Galit was spot on. You know, they're a Haredi couple. She's doing a transition to become a therapist. He's studying all day in the yeshiva and he's less interesting and he doesn't share his internal world. He's very quiet. Okay. So she's moving on. She's her, she's, you know, she's, she's discovering the world that he's just not keeping up. And I think this is an example that if he's not going to own his shtick, if he's not going to start sharing and open up, he will lose her. She will move. So I think for me, I need, it's also, I need to be, work hard to be worthy of Galit's love. Like, that's what I would tell a couple, like, I can, I'm going to do the best I can. Hopefully we'll have another couple of marriages together. Cause people always ask us, you know, is every couple going to remarry? And we don't know, right? We tried the best, but the idea is like, do your best. What does Angela, how does she say? What's this say? Do your best until you know better then do better. My
1: Angelou. Yeah. Do, do, do your best until you know better and then do better.
0: So go back to that. So it's, and one more thing I want to say, it's in it's in your enlightened self-interest. I mean, you live with your partner. You want her to be happy. Because it's gonna help you, because you wanna live with a happy person. So Galit has a girlfriend and she'll meet for a coffee. She says, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be away for half an hour. She comes back an hour and a half later. But I know, I know that this friend is giving her things I can't give her. I know it. And it's in my enlightened self-interest that she comes back happy and fulfilled and seen and got that coffee time with her friend. And it's and I'm saying to myself a lot of times, it's worth it for me because at the end of the day, if your partner's happy, you will be happy. If your partner's miserable, you're going to be miserable. It's you live in the same ecosystem.
2: So I just wanted to go back to the the example with the Haredi couple. So you said like she's kind of you know sp- spreading her wings and he's sort of still where he is. How would you, what would you advise him or them to do? So again? this is this
0: literally happened three hours ago. So I said the first thing you need to do because he's very quiet. It takes some hours until he says a sentence, and you can see mm-hmm. her just slowly like look you know she's losing interest. I said here's a tip for you, just. Whatever's happening inside, just broadcast live. Just broadcast live. Even if you say, I don't really know what to say, or I'm thinking twice, I don't want to say that or else. Like, just, just share what's happening inside of you. Because when you say nothing, she's assuming you have nothing inside. And then she's curious, three out of 10. But for that, he needs to let go of the fear of losing her, and, and he needs to bring it all. Because here's the truth. They might not have another marriage. It's it's possible that she outgrew it. But he's never going to know unless he gives it his best shot. It was clear to me at a certain point. I'm going back to us and, and leaving Jerusalem for four years. I said, no, there was a point where I realized that if, if I don't get on this train, I will lose Galit either figuratively or literally. And then from there, it was really, I mean, it's been a blessing for both of us, but I'm saying like, that's a realization. And oftentimes we'll say in the clinic, dude, you got to work. Like you got to clean this up or you're going to lose her. Like I think it becomes or-
1: clear. I think it becomes clear. Um, when a partner is kind of like at their, right. Like this is the boundary, like get on the train or not, or in whether it's kind of a sink situation of like a 70%. I think that we can, we know our partners well enough to know. And then it's a question of like, okay, is it, do, do I need, is it, is it the money time now? Do I need to step up my game now? And I think that, you know, That's part of the dynamic that that we feel out. And then and then it's a choice. It's always a a choice.
0: There's a clear point where that needs to change. The bar has risen. Are you stepping up? Stop trying to drag your partner back to you're not the woman I married. You're right, she's not. But we want to grow. And I think for a lot of people, because we didn't see our parents remarry and grow in the relationship, we just used to one thing for 40 years and we're scared.
1: But not just that. I think we're not taught to actually express ourselves in a very clear, but kind way. And we think that if we do express ourselves, um, then we'll be hurtful or it's not okay, or we won't be loved or, and so it's unlearning all those things and recognizing that, you know, no, we we can speak our truth and still be kind and still be, you know, loving and still be loved. It's...
2: And you're also, are are you also saying that if we don't speak our truth, they, a part of them already knows it. So it's not like we're really hiding anything. Yeah. You're not such
0: a good actress anyways. They can feel it. But here's the thing, like not saying it to them and expecting something to be different is that's madness. That's madness. So think about it. Just the fact that he's hearing it, it's on the whiteboard and he can see it and it's in his face, right? It might burn, but now he finally knows where he is. So now he can readjust. But that you cannot expect your partner to change if you're not saying the thing. How we call that the spiral of wanting. Like expecting them or hinting is just, it's not enough. It's not enough. And you got to step it up. You can create the marriage you want if you're willing to risk it. But for that, you're going to have to own your shtick, let it land, say the thing, all the things we spoke about in the last episode. But that re- requires courage. And for a lot of people, we're scared because what if, you know, if if divorce is not an option, it's going to be very hard for you to remarry because that's a risk you need to be willing to take.
2: It's, can, it's hard, you know, and especially when it's something hurtful, like if, if someone's afraid to hurt their partner with what they're going to say, it's sort of like a double-edged sword, you know, you're, it's, you do. But, your, but, but
1: here's the thing, because this is something that we hear often in the clinic, right? And it's in a way it's more hurtful not to, because then essentially what you're, what you're insinuating, right? Is that they're not strong enough or they're not able to yeah. handle the feedback right? So they know, they feel that something is off and you're assuming that they're not able to handle what you have to say to them.
0: So, Or you hide behind them, right? Or they hide. Like, I I would tell her gladly, but she can't deal with my truth. Come on. That's a nice excuse.
2: What if somebody's spouse gained a lot of weight and they're no longer attracted to them? How would they disclose that? Because I hear that a lot. It's like, you know, she let herself go and now she doesn't get dressed and she's gained 50 pounds. And I, I don't want to be with her, you know, but I still love her. How do you, I mean, I just told you what he would hypothetically say, but one who struggles with weight. And no, I think that's, yeah,
1: that's hard. That's, I think that is hard and hurtful. So and it's I basically
2: think that, him
3: saying that he's not so attracted to her at the moment. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But, but here's the thing is that I'm sure that I'm sure she knows it, and so then it's this.
2: Right. There,
1: there, there's this charade that they're playing. Whereas, instead, if he can just, if he can just express it, then, then, you know, she can really confront herself, right? Yeah, so like but that's, okay, that's actually a tough I, one
3: because she, he may make her feel like she's being, she may make him feel like he's being very superficial. Why like you don't love me for who I am?
1: She might. She might, but first of all, we can't make anybody feel anything. We yeah. can express things and then it ra- it surfaces or, you know, raises emotions. But, and then we can, and then we negotiate those. We, we figure out where that fits with us. And, and it's possible, it's possible that she says, you know, I'm very comfortable in my body and then I'm happy with the way I look, but I kind of feel like if that were true, then she would be, then she would have an aura of confidence that is attractive. You know, I, yeah,
2: I, it makes sense.
0: I, I want to say it's, it's, you know, Brene Brown says clear as kind, right? It's, it's, he's not saying it to stick it, to, or, or I hope in this example, you're not saying it to stick it to your wife or to make her feel bad. You want to own your shtick and, and admit coming out with your truth. And your truth is right now, you're getting a lot of weight, and it's. I feel like it's impacting my attraction. And I think that's an open. It's not. A, it's not the end of the discussion. It's the opening of the discussion.
1: Yeah, but I also think Rivka, to your point, when you want to know if your partner was so superficial that to the point, do you know what I mean? Like that's also yeah. a conversation worth having, right? Yeah. Like what what are the parameters of looks, and how much does this affect our attraction and our intimacy, and you know. Right. Let's, ha- let's have these conversations in an open and honest way so that we don't waste time mind reading and telling ourselves stories that may or may not be true. Right. And when we know have. what the truth is, we can reposition ourselves accordingly in a way that's aligned with our truth and make the necessary choices in order to either maintain a relationship that we believe in and want to be in or not.
0: And if I continue that, Dan Wiles says, you don't solve the problem, you solve the moment. It's about holding both of our truths together, holding bo- both of our pains. I have, you know, I'm less attracted and or whatever that is. And, and for the couple to be able to hold that together, and for a lot of people, we're going back to the either ors, right? When you're poorly differentiated, it's either your pain or my pain, either you're up or you're down, either you're a winner or a loser, right? We're trying to go toward the yes and. You might have this feeling, and I might have this feeling can we can we linger in this? Can we stay long enough in the crucible to understand each other? and can we even more in this you know and, then and, grow.
1: And, and because we look at things systemically, right, then there's always the invitation of you know Ida to to your point of, oh, kind of she's let herself go, well, well, what's going on there, right? getting curious about what's behind that? What are the reasons? what's going on? What is he? Maybe he's not seeing her, maybe, right? There's so much more there that's worthwhile unpacking.
3: So do you think also the way to do that for for a husband and wife to be able to do that is to have the mindset of we're looking to understand each other, not looking to attack each other? I'm saying because some of these things could be taken in a very hurtful way. I'm saying the weight, for example. But if the wife's willing or the husband is willing to listen to it in a way we're like, oh, Maybe, you know, he he wants to feel attracted to me and he still loves me. But he he loves to me, yeah, me.
1: exactly. And I think that that's what we do in the clinic, right? We try to help each partner be able to hear their partner in a, in a positive way, in a loving way, even when they're saying things that may be harsh, right? We're so, like the translators of right. what the subtext is here. What is the actual emotional bid that's going on? And we can do that because we're external to the system,
3: Right. So that's what I was going to ask you, can a couple do that? Like, can you give some tools for a couple to be able to understand each other without anything external? Like, do you have some tools to give?
1: Yeah. I, I would give two things. I would give okay. one really, really um, foster curiosity, right? Like be curious. So rather than getting defensive or being hurt or insulted, which are which are blocks, right? Which are me blocking what you have to say and getting defensive, but really being curious, like tell me more about that. And and why is this so important to you? And what is this, right? So a real kind of trying to understand and then, and being curious about ourselves too, right? Like, so, so if you have feedback for me and and I see that I get defensive, well, okay, wait a minute. What's, why am I, what, 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 is there a button here? Do I have a button that's been pushed? And where does that, what's the source of that button, right? Um, And what's the work that I need to do to maybe soften that button? And then the second thing I would say is um, soft eyes, right? So if we believe, and, and this is, I think, where the foundation of trust comes in, right? Like if I believe and trust that my partner wants the best for me, for them in this marriage, then I need to assume positive intent. I need to assume that all the feedback that he is giving me is from a place of soft eyes, and even if it's hard for me to hear, to remind myself that, yeah, there are soft eyes here. And not everything that is, not every wish or request or topic means I have to take action, right? Like cell can say, listen, galina it's really important to me that, you know, you be home after, um, for, you know, to to make sure that the kids are are, you know, doing well in school and that you, you know, see them every day, you know collect them every day and, and make sure that they, you know, are, are or you know, have a hot meal and da 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 And great. He can express that, but that doesn't mean I have to, that's my, his wish is not my command. And, but it can, but the, but the point is that I can be curious enough to have a conversation about, you know, what that means and share also where my limitations are, what, what I can and cannot give and I mean, also oh, oh. kind of really keep the now, right? The conversations we are having are for now. It's not important to me yet. It's not important to me right now, but maybe in three months from now, I'll feel differently. Maybe in five years from now, I can meet you there.
0: I want to add two more things to her list, which I think is brilliant. I'd say one is the five to one. If you want to have the tough conversations, make sure your partner's love tank is full. Like, cause it's not going to work well, however you plate it, if you're not, if you're not depositing in your, in your partner's love bank.
3: Yeah, but you have to and start so somewhere. What happens if you're not there yet and you need to have a discussion and be open?
0: You what can if you're start a five, five to one right now. You can start it right now. It's, it's a conscious, it's a top-down awareness. It's not, it's not a magic number. Like you could easily be nicer to your partner beginning right now. Literally right now, if you're listening to this podcast, send a text, send a heart emoji to your partner. Boom. That's a one. That's a deposit. You don't have to take them to a trip to Paris. You can literally right now, as you listen listening to this, send a smiley to your partner. That's one. I mean, okay. I'm just, I just want to bring that down. People are like, where do I begin? You begin right now. That's one I want to say. And the other tip that we give partners is before I give you that constructive feedback, but if, before I do that one finger to you, I'm going to start with three fingers on myself. I'm going to start by owning my shtick. So for instance, it could be like, let's say go back to that husband wants to talk about her, her, his wife's weight. So assuming he has the five to one and she's feeling seen and heard and he shows her, he shows her not with his mouth, but with his feet, that he respects her, that he sees her. He starts with, I, I want to own my shtick, that I have not been present and you have been holding before. And I've been gone for long hours and I've, my libido has been more in work than in. Like first start from your part of the dance before you go over and give her the gift of constructive feedback. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's really important. That really helps partners be more open because the second you start to send it with you, I'm already like, oh, okay, what now? But you start with listen, I I it's, I I'm owning my shtick. It's, I've been I've been away for a long time and I haven't seen you and, and we haven't had a long time. I get that. And you've been alone with the kids, I'm owning my shtick. And 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 then you go to the, the second part.
2: I feel like one of the issues a lot of couples face is that. When they're in an argument, it's not like you have 24 seven access to a therapist. So usually things can escalate and it's hard to kind of step outside and wait until, you know, wait for that, that appointment where you can bring things up. Say you're in a, in a session with a couple and they had an argument, but they don't remember what it was even about because they want it. They didn't resolve it then, but they want to, they want to work on their marriage, but they don't have a specific topic at that point. Are there prompts? Like, is there a question that you ask them or like, or how do you open up a conversation with a couple that comes in that wants counseling, but doesn't really know what direction to go in?
1: I feel like we've never had a couple that doesn't remember the excruciating (laughs) details of the fight. I I have yet to see that happen. (laughs) I am like, no, no, but you said it this way and you didn't say it that way. And I remember you said it that. Sometimes they'll fight about the fight in the clinic so that's kind of like rare what you described but
2: um... <laughs> okay so, so so let me let me ask something different then if you so you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you do couples therapy um you also do groups right did you mention you we do like, we do of-
1: evenings yeah
2: a couple yeah. couple evenings yeah a
1: couple evenings yeah
2: right so can you just like walk us through how you go about them I would imagine there's some privacy issues and maybe um you know people not wanting to disclose too much like how do you what's the method? Are there any like games or exercises that you find helpful or useful? I think if someone would want to go in
3: a group, don't they know that they're going to be with other couples and being all vulnerable and sharing everything? Uh,
1: They know that it's a, that it's a group evening, the work, the exercises that we have them do are individual. Um, And so, you know, they're, they're only working with their partner. And then the sharing is if they want to share, right. It's very kind of, how how vulnerable and how open do you want to be
0: not every but not every couple needs therapy but every couple needs to work on their marriage okay and what we're doing is we're offering something that's right now there's either therapy or nothing for couples and we want to offer something in the middle these experiences these en- en- enrichment enrich a rich date night if you will a place to work on your marriage that's not necessarily clinical or And I think for a lot of couples they just need permission they want permission like just two nights ago we had a evening called playground right increasing play in in relationships we had 10 couples in our living room working on the muscle of play how to become more playful and i think what i've noticed is is that couples are dying there especially after a couple years together they want more excitement they want more passion more sensuality more sexuality they want to become curious did you need permission how to play how to bring that back and a lot of what we do is actually just open up a space and model something. And I think even just think about this discussion, like us being vulnerable, us sharing about our stories, our struggles, and, and I think that really normalizes. And if we do it, and if a couple therapists and his wife are fighting over washing their face on the sink, then certainly our fight over the pesto and cleaning up the pesto is not. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, that's I what think actually about.
3: you just brought up the washing face thing. Uh, Galit, yeah, you had said, um, as he was sharing that story, you had said you thought of another argument.
1: Oh, wow. That was at the beginning of this call. I know. Uh, so, much, I so, much, so much has gone through. <laughs> I just no, I w- maybe- What I was going to say is I was going to say that we do, we do when we have, you know, that was just kind of a, I wouldn't even oh. consider that an argument anymore. Oh, okay, But I think that when we do have fights, first of all, we're not afraid of arguing. We're not afraid of fighting. I think that we both have now, and I think this is something kind of learned that, that, that actually a fight has the potential for a lot of learning it's a gold mine of learning right because it's what what it is essentially is it's a misalignment it's a miscommunication it's personal buttons right of past experiences so you can there's so much potential for learning each other if we can if we can approach it with a with with more curiosity and with a recognition of this isn't bad I think that so often we're afraid of the argument that we try to avoid it at all costs, instead of leaning in and being like, it's okay, we got this, like we'll fight and we'll make it through on the other end and we'll know each other better. Right. And so I think that what we have learned is, is that we're willing to kind of, you know, pull up our sleeves and meet each other there. And even if that means, you know, a little bit of, of shouting, maybe some name calling, but we know that that's part of the cycle. Uh, Danwell has a, a, um, a, a kind of process for fighting, which we actually, I think kind of did intuitively and it just gave us language for it, but it's kind of right. I said, it's combat, combat, admit, admit and collaborate, collaborate. So when we're in the attack, attack, we're just, we're just getting it all out. We're just spewing at each other and we're not afraid. And we know that we don't need to even be insulted or, and, we're going to go for the jugular and we're going to say nasty things and we're going to, but we're going to get it out because in that will be some nuggets of gold that are then worthwhile looking at a little bit closer. Then we're going to break off and cool off, right? And then do that internal work of, you know, what was this really about for me? And where, where was I not seen? Where did I not see my partner? And then when we have those learnings and we're not triggered anymore, and we've kind of processed that, then we can com- come back calmly and kind of exchange notes.
3: Interesting. I mean, that's great. But I want to ask you, because you had said get curious, right? And and soft eyes. So in yeah. that beginning stage, when you're arguing and, you know, you're getting it all out, letting it all out, where are the soft eyes in that? That, that, that The that's soft
1: eyes just- are, are in the in the knowledge that even if a say is going to say hurtful things, and even if I'm going to say hurtful things, we really do love each other. We really do want this to work. We really don't mean to hurt each other, even if at the moment we do kind of mean to hurt each other. So it's it's, it's holding on to that trust and that that knowing, that confidence, mean, that like.
3: So you're saying before the fight comes to kind of like maybe, and the, even throughout,
1: even throughout. Like I know, I know that even if Asel says things that are hurtful to me, and vice versa, at the end of the day, when this whole fl- fight will, bl- I'm not going to say blow over because we actually like go through it. Yeah it's because we want to know each other better so that's holding on to the soft eyes while being able to still you know
3: right, go i'm the storm. just saying during the that cat eye part <laughs>
1: yeah um there's no but, soft eyes but that's that's maturity right being able right. to hold two opposing feelings at the same time so it's being able to hold that i love this person And um, I have confidence in this relationship and I, and I'm looking at him with soft eyes. And at the same time, I want to throttle him because he's so irritating right now that I really have lost it with him. It's, I can, I can hold both those feelings. And I actually want to say that I think as parents, we, we know that feeling, right? We know that feeling of like rage and also deep, deep love. We can hold that. And I think that if we recognize that we're, we have that muscle and if we can, kind of almost copy paste it and put it into the, that relationship, that sphere, Knowing being confident in our ability to hold that, we won't be so afraid of the fighting. Sorry. Our rule is that if we fight in front of the kids, because I, I, I'm a little bit of a hothead and I have a hard time kind of waiting until appropriate we heard, times. We heard. heard? We I just want to say
3: right? her, um that Asael had said that he recognizes that the difference between you being passionate and angry, which I thought was really cool.
1: Oh yeah. We have a, we have a video about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's on our YouTube channel, but, but our rule is, is that if our children see us fight, then they have to see us making up. In other words, they, that, that's the cycle, right? That's the, that is the cycle of a, a healthy relationship is the rupture and repair. And so they need to be able to see us say, you know, I'm sorry that I said those hurtful things to you. Um, and, and, and show how we repair the rupture that we had. That's real. I wanted to
0: add to that two things. Um, did you one raise your is, hand?
1: Yeah, yeah he did. raised I his hand.
0: Disturb, I didn't want to disturb you. <laughs> You're so Aww. sweet.
3: He was Shepping nachas.
0: <laughs> I, I, I respect you, your strong ideas, theories and ideas. You have such a brilliant mind, Billy. But I wanted I to say, so I wanted to say two things. First of all, there's two. When we talk about conflict, we could do a whole episode about conflict. But in general, there's two approaches to conflict. There's turtles and thunderstorms.
3: Turtles and thunderstorms. Okay.
0: Okay, so turtles are people that avoid fighting, that are kind of, the second gets hot, they go into their shell, and they wait, I'll talk to you when you calm down, and they hold on to all this frustration, where thunderstorms are just from zero to 100 in seconds, and then from 100 to zero in minutes, they, it's kind of, it goes up and goes down, and usually turtles and thunderstorms marry, and a lot of couples don't know how to fight, because usually there's a difference, right, the turtles need to, I'm a turtle, I'm a second generation turtle, and Galit's a <laughs> second generation thunderstorm.
3: Are
1: these okay. your terms? No. no. This, this is hidden you.
0: This is coming oh. from like the Imago kind of culture. Oh, I love approach. Imago. Right. So, so the idea is for, for turtles, they need to learn how to step out of their shell and face the heat, step into this thunderstorm. And thunderstorms need to know how to regulate themselves a little bit so the turtle can can come out of their shell. But this goes back to the meaningful endurance that we spoke about earlier in the session. It's couples need to learn not only the art of fighting, but to realize that conflict is good. Conflict is where you raise differentiation. Conflict is where you get your integrity, where you stand up for something that you are not going to back off from. And I think for a lot of couples, they see conflict as a sign of something's wrong. And for a lot of people, conflict is bad or negative, and, and they try to avoid it. Where we try to teach them that conflict is, is – you have to have it if you want to grow – when I taught my kids how to ride a bicycle, I said, if you're not falling, you're not learning. If you're not fighting, you're not raising differentiation. That means you're not fine-tuning this relationship. That means you're not bringing your whole self. That means you Once might be second, appeasing so- your part.
3: So how do you change the turtle and the thunderstone? How do you... How do you you're saying to just recognize that or like, how does that change?
1: I think, first of all, I think when you name something, then, then, then you, then, you know, kind of you're more aware of it. Right. And so then it's easier. So it's naming, becoming right. aware of it, and then you're able to change it. But also I think that often what happens when, when the dance doesn't get named is that the thunderstorm, the, sorry, the turtle withdraws. And so then the thunderstorm just kind of goes at him a little bit more to try and like pull him out of the shell. Right, and then it just either, and then eventually, we often hear about the thunderstorm that eventually just like erupts, right? And then like a whole, like it's like a volcano, like three days worth of like comes out. Um. So so the idea is to recognize that that is the dynamic, and so then the invitation is for the thunderstorm to kind of thunder a little bit less aggressively, perhaps, and for the turtle to meet them to meet them there. Right. So rather than withdrawing and withdrawing to meet them there, so that then they can enter the hot place, they can have that conversation.
2: Rivka, you're a, thunder- a thunderstorm, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you the turtle? <laughs> you the turtle? And we're the opposite. I'm a turtle and right. thunderstorm.
3: And you, you guys, see? and one second, and you guys go, you're the thunderstorm. And oh, yeah.
0: The oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Big time. And I wouldn't kids. actually,
3: I wouldn't know from, I would think oh. like you're both thunderstorms. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I chose to, a. I married a thunderstorm, and B, my job. I'm in conflict all day with couples. Right. I, I'm exhausted from therapy because I'm not used to being in conflict. In my house, we never fought. Like there was just everything was under under the carpet. So that I think is that a was the generation,
3: step. yeah, before us, yeah.
0: So I think what I'm trying to say here is I think we need, couples either don't know how to fight, or they don't know that they're fighting, or they're scared of fighting. And in fact, one second. Conflict, so your
3: parents, your parents were two turtles.
0: Yeah. Yes.
3: So then, the dynamic of your parents' relationship didn't really manifest in your relationship. No. I'm saying-
0: well, I chose. I, I dated actually a woman who was a turtle, and it felt very familiar. See, here's the thing. Okay, two turtles that meet will either be a very symbiotic relationship or very kind of like uh, you know enmeshed. Two thunderstorms is a very rocky relationship that's going to explode, dr- break up, get back together. We'll usually see that the turtle and thunderstorm. And I think I think about Gale, like when I see my kids. And our kids, God bless them. They're both thunderstorms, thanks to Galit. And then there's a lot of moments where That's I'm true. thinking to myself, "Well, I'd rather have my kids be able to express their because I never fought. Yeah. I I wouldn't even yell at my dad. I would go into my room and then talk to myself. You know, I would get Galit. What do you to, think?
2: Do you do you feel so? It's interesting, Gasel, because you I can identify with what you said because I feel like thunderstorms are healthier individuals because I keep so much in my shell. That's just my yes, personality. It's yes. right that way. Um, but Galit, do you feel that?
1: Sometimes I worry, are- I, sometimes I worry that I've made two, like they're, they're, the, the thunderstorm is like they're little lightning bolts, but, um, and, and I That's wonder I if, so. <laughs> and I wonder if, if maybe kind of it's, it's, uh, I think at, at the end of the day, it's all about finding the balance, right? It's all about being able to regulate. So it's the turtle, the, the, the turtle's work is to be able to express without kind of, being afraid and it's the thunderstorm to kind of regulate a little bit more and be right. able to meet without kind of being such a hothead and i think i that think I, both that, have
3: had both have a lot
2: of work to do yeah like, yeah well. they oh, both oh, have so to much. kind of but it's, yeah. It's, 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 yeah it's great for kids to have both
1: yeah yeah i think that that what i meaning, i've meaning not noticed they are is, both it
2: sounds like they're both thunderstorms but meaning they csl and they that see, they see and both they see, yeah, right.
1: yeah yeah I think that um, what has happened in our relationship is that once we were willing to, I think once couples start seeing fights and arguments as something positive with a lot of potential and they're less afraid, things become less charged and then not, you know, the things that you used to fight about now become a conversation because they're not packed necessarily with the, the intensity and the heat. And when you start speaking your truth, then it starts to open things up and then you're able to communicate less and from a less triggered place. And obviously and it's kind of gradual. It takes time. But, but I notice that the amount of times that we have big heated fights are few and far between. But
0: but here I want to add another thing. The opposite of love is. Indifference. Exactly. Indifference. Love and hate are together. If I love you, sometimes I'm going to hate you. And that's, we're going back to Schnarch, who coined the term normal marital sadism. Normal marital sadism. You always hurt the one you love, okay? Because if I, if I love you so much, I'm so dependent on you, then sometimes you you, you drive me crazy, right? And for a lot of couples, you're scared of owning that part, okay? All is fair and love is war. I mean, all these songs for generations are, norm, are basically saying it's okay to have anger and aggression toward your partner. It's okay that sometimes you, they drive you crazy. And I think for a lot of people, especially I want to say women, to own that aggression and have it as a valid, legitimate way of expressing myself, I can say I love you, but sometimes I can say I hate you, and you drive me crazy. And for a lot of people, they don't they don't want to bring that part, but it's a full it's that's bringing you the fullness of yourself. And part of that anger is also your aggression and your passion. Like we had a couple today and she's like, I'm so glad we had a fight because I was worried that my heart was closed to you. She's like, ah, oh, she was so happy. Ah, oh, there was a fight. I, I got triggered by it. I mean, that means I still care because she thought that her heart is closed forever. So I'm saying conflict, it's a, it's a rebranding of this and it takes a lot of work. But if we think about it, the three biggest diseases that bring people to the clinic is either boredom, constant fighting, and thirds, unregulated thirds, affairs, whatever, and stuff like that. All these three things could be, I don't know if avoided, but could be heavily minimized by stepping into the heat. I'm reminding all of us, the metaphor for the differentiation-based therapy is crucible. A relationship is a crucible. It's a hot oven. It's a place where it's hot. You die, you get reborn, you melt. It's, a, it's an exciting place. But a lot of partners, don't. Go, they don't go into the crucible. They don't go into the gym. They don't grow.
2: One maybe one is stuck in blame yeah. and the other one is stuck in like- um, the the yeah, shame
0: yeah. or right. shame, being yeah. shame, yeah, all that. And then and I, so even yeah. they, they might be fighting, but they're not stepping into the crucible. They might be just like pointing fingers at each other, you know, da, 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 but they're not growing. And I think that's the tragedy we see on a lot of marriages. Right. When people are not using their marriage to grow. They'll go to therapy. They'll spend thousands of dollars on therapy instead of turning around and say to your partner, I'm attracted to you three out of 10. And dealing with that aftermath, that's excitement. That's going to like, whoa, that's energetic. You want to spice things up in your marriage? Speak the truth. So I need to let go of my ego because one of the things we say is growth over ego. And I think that if, we could, if you could adopt that and say, I want to grow, I want to evolve. And marriage is the great way to do it. And in fact, I've grown more in my 12 years with Khalid than all the decades of therapy I did as a client. Because your partner, as we said last time, can be the best therapist you've never had. Hashtag the name of our last yeah. episode. And there it is. It.
3: How often so, do you yeah. get, re- like you said, you have to have many more marriages to Galit. How often do you guys get remarried? Like when do you decide, hey, we just got remarried again?
1: When we when we identify that there has been a shift, a growth. There's been a mm-hmm. renegotiation of our relationship. Right. Right you having to own your own work and, and not waiting for your partner to change, but you have to be willing to be courageous enough to, you know, put your heart out there, put your full self out there. And nobody can promise you that you won't be hurt or rejected or that, you know, the relationship will continue on forever and you'll live happily ever out. Nobody can guarantee any of that, but you know, let's, that's why we have to make sure that we hold on to ourselves throughout the whole thing. Right. So that, w- yeah. that we are true to ourselves and we don't lose ourselves along the way.
0: And that is called self validated intimacy where I'm sharing. I'm not waiting for you to validate what I'm saying. Contrary to Imago, where my partner will say, I hear you saying he's I don't need Galita valid. I'm going to choose to I'm opening up. I'm broadcasting live because I want to feel free because I want to I want my mouth and my heart and my feet to be same. That's I want
1: to give, give an example of that. So, so we, we Ooh. moved to Saba and we, it's, it's not about you, babe. And we, <laughs> we, we live in the well, same kind mind. of building. We live in the same building complex as my brother, the, between my brother and I, there's a very big age gap. There's about 12 years. And when we were younger, we weren't so close. And now we're very close. And when they kind of bid and invite us over, then I always get very excited. And then I always kind of, I always share. I always share how, you know, how much I enjoy spending time with them and how much I love them and how much I appreciate them being close. And said always says to me, like, they don't reciprocate necessarily, like, in the same way. Why do you consistently kind of express your love and show them how much you kind of, and and I'm not doing it to receive anything back. I'm doing it because this is how I feel towards them. And I want to be able, in my relationships, to express my genuine feelings. And I'm not doing it because I expect anything in return. But first of all, right. I, I want to express because I want to express myself. And I want to model the types of relationships that I want. And if I yes. want those relationships, then I need to act like I want to be in those relationships. or
2: right, like be the judge you want to see. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but and, and, you know that- but Wait, you know that's what I want you to say, that that's, well, that's yeah.
0: self-validated intimacy. I love, thank you so much for inviting us. I love that. <laughs> that is self-validated intimacy. And those moments where I'm threatened, I guess I'm judging her for that because it's so vulnerable. I'm like, why are you, why are you exposing your cards? But, she, but, but I'm going back to this idea of marriage is freedom. That releases her to be who she is. That is freedom. That is the ultimate freedom to say your truth in your relationship. Yes, Rivka, you wanted to say something, sorry. No, I, I was, was just going
3: to say, it. you know that song, the great, Um, what's the song? There was a boy. Um, The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return.
0: That's right. You know Yeah. It.
3: So no, the thing is, you were sharing about your brother, like that you want to be able to express to him how you feel, but you're not necessarily getting that same thing in return. But ultimately, like our nature is that we do want to get in, in return what we're giving.
1: We want to feel belonging. Yes. But I think that, so that's a really important point. And I think that if I didn't feel that I was getting love back, right, then I, then I wouldn't be in that relationship. And that's, I think, what we, when we were talking about differentiation and what happens when there's a gap. So my brother doesn't have to say it back in the same way. I feel yeah. it. I know it. Right. Right, He is expressing it in a way that I'm confident about. And then therefore I don't even, I don't even play the calc. I don't play the game of, oh I said, I love you three times. And he only said it right. That's the liberation of, I don't need to play those games. That's a waste of time. I'm either loved in this relationship and I'm able to express myself or I'm not. And then mm, I shouldn't be here.
0: I'll give you another example. We were walking down the street to, to get something from the, from the Macaulay from the supermarket whatever and as i was walking i was pretty i put my hand on his shoulder you know and then he's like could you take your your hand off my shoulder and he didn't say it in an insulting way he just said it like very clearly and i thought that's great like it's so refreshing to be with someone who you know is going to take care of their boundaries so i don't have to mind read him And there's just this relaxation. So here's another reframe, like clear as kind, because then I don't have to guess. And when Galit says yes, or, you know, I said to Galit the other day, uh, don't do it just to please me. She's like, Asael, I never do anything to please you. You don't have to worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that is the liberation you get. And then I don't have to mind read Galit. Is she real? Does she like, because I know she will tell me if she doesn't. And this goes back to being bold and blunt and brave and saying and say the thing with a lot of love, with play after you own your stick and you let it land because that releases so much energy. So much energy.
2: Like if you could send three messages to couples who have, who have zero tips, they have no experience with anything. It's like, these are the three tips that if you use them that you're most guaranteed to have a good marriage. Like, what would you say those three main tips are? And they could be stuff we've shared before, but, you know, like you three tips. First?
1: I would say... Curiosity, play, and on your stick.
0: <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, and what would you say? Well now, well, now I need to be original. But I would say, um, play on your stick. Let it land, say the thing. That's those are those are the four things in that order. And if you do that and you follow that again and again and again, that's the, that's we call that the magic model. That's the magic model. It's not a, it's not magic. It's super hard work.
2: Right. And all it takes is the truth. It's so much easier to remember the truth than to remember a lie anyway. So,
0: so much. And we've kind of inspired by you. And you start now. When you start, now. As you're yeah. listening to this now, send a WhatsApp to your partner. Send that you love them. send an emoji, send them a picture of you smiling. It's so easy. It's not, it's simple. But it's not necessarily easy.
2: Well, that's there. great. It's a great idea. Do it. Like send, it send something right now.
0: To yeah. Just, you're right, you're right now. I thought about you. Know. you. And And by the way, that's a good ending
2: quote. It's simple, but it's not necessarily
0: easy.